Hello and welcome to our podcast, Cocktails and Bullshit. My name is Lou Rivera, and alongside of me is a very good friend and my co-host, Mr. Scott Heim. Together on this podcast, we will try to make sense of anything and everything that we talk about. Midway through, we will have a cocktail and try to have a few laughs along the way. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and join in on the conversation. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Cocktails and Bullshit. My name is Lou Rivera, along with my co-host, Scott Hein. Hey, I want to take a moment to uh, apologize. We were not able to get a podcast out last week. Everything was against us, uh, including Hurricane Ian, which we'll talk about in this podcast. So we got a lot to talk about. Let's dive right into it. Mr. Scott Heim, how are you doing, bud? Lou Rivera, I'm doing fantastic, my brother. We are rolling into the fall, man. It's officially fall up here in Ohio, and the, the leaves are turning. The colors look great. The cool evenings are rocking, and I am excited to be back here with you and and the podcast world talking about some fun shit today. I can't wait, man. Man, I feel the same way. I was uh, just thinking about that, that we we missed last week and uh, it felt like eternity. I'm glad to be back on here and talking to you, man. And, uh, you know, there's uh, so much going on right now uh, and we never run out of stuff to talk about. But we had just uh, left. We left Mississippi and we are in Texas now. Marshall, Texas, a small town of Marshall, Texas. Man, you got out of there just in time, my brother. It was, I mean, you weren't in the, the eye of it over there in Mississippi, but but I'm sure, like, you know, we got some up here and I was over visiting my daughter last week in Pittsburgh and got some of the outer bands of that that blowback from that hurricane. It was just kind of dreary, rainy. I'm sure, you know, obviously nothing like the folks in Florida and we'll talk about that, but uh, I, I bet you would have saw a little bit of that over towards Mississippi way, so it was, it was time to move west for you. Yeah, a lot of people were concerned, but we did not see anything, and uh, we just moved out west, and we're here, and, and you know, we're, we're loving Texas. Um, this small town of uh, Marshall, Texas is really cool. We uh, went downtown for a little bit and checked it out, and, uh, you know, the campground that we're in, it's not that nice. It's always not uh, glorious uh, living this type of lifestyle. Um, I, I've got to say, we've got everything we need. We've got electricity. We've got water. Uh we got good Wi-Fi, so I'm not complaining. I, we got a good spot, and uh, we're going to be here for another, I think, three or four weeks, and then we're going to head out west and maybe hit Aberdeen, Texas, and maybe we're going to stay there for the winter. Who knows? Yeah, man, that that is kind of one of the deals of campgrounds, isn't it, man? It, uh, it, you know, it, it, your first time there, when we stay at one for the first time, and like you said, there's not anything you can't you can't live with for a little while. But uh, when we when we stay at one the first time, we walk around, we take the map they give you, we check off all the good sites. So if we come back to it, we got a decoder ring for okay, we can stay at this one, but it needs to be at these locations, kind of a deal, you know, a little harder for you guys being being on the road. Yeah, you never know what you're going to run into. Uh, we created a list and we go by that list every time we call the uh, next campground and you think you got everything. But in this particular campground, we cannot receive mail or uh, any shipments. So we would have to go to a UPS store and uh, receive mail or uh, orders that we put in, like, say, Amazon. And they charge you $5 per box for every box you receive in there. They charge you $5. So we got to be really careful on what we order and uh, see if we can get it all in one box. Holy smokes, man. That's crazy. I mean, that's just like how we, like we talked on the last podcast, that's how we live our life now on Amazon. So that throws a wrinkle in it. I, and I don't know enough about it, but um, 
I feel like there you can whole foods. Maybe you can get stuff delivered. I don't know if they charge that fee or not, or if you got one near you, but I'm sure you're on to all the different ways you can get shit. If, uh, if the campsite turns you down like that, that's crazy. Yeah. I never thought of that. Uh, I have to check into that. I don't think they have a whole foods here. It's crazy because this little town has everything. It's got target Walmart. I mean, they even have a Schlotzky's. I don't know if you ever heard of Schlotzky's, but they make the best sandwiches. It's something about their bread. that's super delicious. Dude, I'm a tuna salad. I love me some good tuna salad. And I know nobody on the planet eats a tuna salad sandwich anymore, but I go to Subway, I get tuna salad. I go to Schlotzky's, they make an amazing tuna salad there, man. Same way Panera, tuna salad. I'm the only, I'm keeping tuna salad in business. Schlotzky's is the best of those of tuna salad, just so you know. Yeah, I love their products. Uh, you don't see too many of them. And this one here, it was, um, it was a new one. So it looked very different from the ones that I'm used to seeing. But uh, just as well, man, the food was fantastic. But, man, let's jump in uh, to Hurricane Ian. I mean, what the hell did you think about that? I mean, that was a really big hurricane, and it destroyed a lot of uh, cities in Florida. And it's just sad to see. I mean, you look at Fort Myers, Pine Island. Me and Gina, we spent some time down there while we were traveling. And just to look at the photos before and after and just remembering the way it looked, it's just devastation. I mean, it's just hard to imagine. Yeah, I uh, I feel like like it caught us by surprise because it kind of jumped off of of wherever jumped Puerto Rico, I guess it jumped off of, and and you know it was in that like three range, and then just all of a sudden, you know, from the fifteen yard line in, it just jumped up to a whopper, and and we you know, and it happened in a very tight window. You know, normally folks are pretty good at kind of battening down the hatches, and it it just seems like that one caught everybody by surprise and was just super powerful. I don't want to say unexpectedly, but like just wham, boom, bam, it got on everybody. And it, it is so sad to see down there, man. And, and my brother has a house down in Naples and miracle of miracles, man, not an ounce of water in his house. Everything was fine, but there was, it was about a three day window. Cause he's up in Indiana. He has a house in Indianapolis, which he, he is his primary house. And then he goes down to Naples and he's got a whole setup in Naples. So he can kind of see everything remotely, but not when the power was out. So, so he was dependent upon some neighbors and then the power finally came back up and he could get all his visuals, you know, with his cameras and everything he's got going down there and all he's got water sensors everywhere. And, and he got lucky, man. He was one of the lucky ones that didn't have an issue. It, it looks horrible down there. Yeah. They thought it was going to hit Tampa and they were preparing for that. And then it kind of shifted uh, down to Fort Myers. And I don't know. I don't know about you. I mean, I've seen all the dev the, uh, the the houses and the RVs and boats and cars. Why do people not move their items, those big items, right? You have an RV, you got a boat, car. Why can't you move that out of the storm just to be safe? It's only a couple hours away. Take it up there. When the storm passes, you can come come on back. But it just seems like Everything is left down there and it just causes chaos. Yeah, it, it certainly does seem the case. I was listening to somebody that was doing a, a YouTube or something on preparedness and and they were saying, watch your neighbors. And the person interviewing them said, what do you mean, watch your neighbors? And, and she said, well, you know, it, it, neighbors that have been there a long time, they generally know like what to do and how to do it. And if you see them getting the hell out of there they know get the hell out of there they've been through several of them if, if your neighbors haven't been around that long and they're not sure i mean don't follow those folks you know find out who's who's been in that area for 10 15 20 years and they got a pretty good sense of what to look out for and how to do it um you're right man i i think it just becomes the sense of 
you know, well, it's just too hard to lug it to wherever you got to lug it. And, and what if we can't get back down? And, well, you know, the end result is always nine times worse than whatever that would have been, you know. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Yeah, it's tricky. I said to sorry, talk on top of you. I said to my brother last week, you know, on the day that he couldn't see anything and he was just in a holding pattern. I said, well, control what you can control. And he said, I just opened another bottle of wine. I mean, that's all you can do, right? <laughs> it's always hard to say, right? Because we're not in their shoes. Like, what would we do if we were there? We might do something different. Maybe not. But who knows? But I got to say, if they were to had removed their cars from there and their RVs and their boats, that's everything that just kind of piled up over there. The recovery effort would be a lot faster and easier to do. I was in a Hurricane Andrew at the time with my family, and uh, this was back in Florida. We lived in Hollywood, uh, Hollywood, Florida, and we were supposed to get the brunt uh, of the hurricane, but it kind of diverted towards the last minute it went towards Miami and Homestead and lucky for us that happened because even it was even though it was the tail end of it I'm going to tell you man it was a pretty scary situation I would never go through that again if I see a hurricane coming I'm packing my family and and whatever I can that's important into the vehicle and I'm moving uh, a couple hours away until it uh, passes and if there's no devastation I'll be back if it was devastated and my house was flattened I don't know man I'll have to think about that for a while yeah totally get it i mean the old jimmy buffett song trying to reason with hurricane season i mean there's just no reason yeah. you know so yeah. i hope people do all right down there and stay patient with each other you know it it is always too when you know i certainly don't mean to say that the great thing about a hurricane but but you know it is amazing how some of the silliness begins to die down there's still silliness but some of the day in day out you know, barbs that get thrown across the fence at each other in terms of political barbs, you know, at least at least that's drowned out for a week or so while people are just helping people get back on their feet, you know, which is how it should be. Yeah, I really hate when politicians go out there and they try to be political in a disaster, right? Like a hurricane or tornado. They should really be there to help the people. The people are looking for leadership. They need somebody to help them, and that's what they're looking for. You and I know we've been in the food service business for a really long time. You're not going to please everyone. I saw this bit where this family was trying to uh, use their own personal boat and go out to Pine Island to give people their water and food. And, man, that is noble. I totally um Love that people do that because that's people coming together. But they were complaining because DeSantis was out there and there was a lot of reporters and they felt that he was getting in the way and just doing a photo op. So if DeSantis doesn't go out there and and uh, does what he needs to do to help these people, people would be bitching and moaning. And there you have him. He's there. He's trying to help. And you have this family that uh, are, you know, just disappointed that he's there and he's just trying to do a photo op, so they say. So I don't really get it. You know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. For sure. I mean, it, it just, you know, that no fail model of get to the people, get to the people first, fast, furious. That is the, the stuff is stuff, man. And stuff can be replaced, but people cannot. And it just sure seems like he got, you know, he's working on getting to the people as quickly as possible, getting people food, water, shelter. You know, so so once food, water, shelters in place and everyone's safe, we can go from there. But until that happens, man, I, you know, that we'll never forget Katrina with people on top of houses, right? And help trying to get picked up, holding their dogs. I mean, it just didn't get to the people fast enough. Got to save the people, you know? Yeah. And more and more, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, there are a lot of uh, in these 
uh, situations, they're partnering up with Elon Musk for Starlink so everybody can have uh, Internet. And I, I think the way they put that together uh, is amazing because that's what you really need, right? Communication. Uh, people are able to call their families or uh, be able to put things out there just to let other people know what's going on down there. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I'd forgotten about that. I had pretty busy travel week this week, and I, and I did catch that running through an airport. I mean, you know, communication, foundational, you know, I mean, look at how many things that, that Starlink has, you know, instantly solved problems for, you know, go to Ukraine. It's kind of the big one that kicked off, you know, like, like the minute people can be connected again, they're back in the game. And yet, you know, our grid is, is a shit show. I mean, when, when are people going to fix the grid? Um, it, you know, it, it, it's so outdated and we're, we're so susceptible to anything that any of the bad guys want to do. And, and we've seen now how, when you get, you know, you get communication back up and running and get people connected back up and running, you know, people can build from there. We got to get after our grid, man, because it is archaic. Yeah, that's like uh, Puerto Rico, right? Ian went through there and caused the same damage that uh, we're going through over here. You know, I don't think I would ever live in Puerto Rico. It seems to me like they get an, uh, they get a hurricane just about every other year. I think the last one, though, was uh, Hurricane Maria, which was about five years ago, though. You know, Biden was over there and he was assessing the damage and uh, he threw a jab at Trump. You know, the people on the island have uh, always complained that Trump did not do enough for them financially uh, to give them enough aid to get on their feet again. And, you know, Trump sent billions of dollars over there. The problem with uh, Puerto Rico is that the officials there, they have always been corrupt. And a lot of that money did not get used the way that it uh, should have. It just got squandered away. 100 percent. You hear it all the time. And and you live on an island in the middle of the Caribbean. I mean, it, yeah. should, it shouldn't shock you. And I don't say that to be heartless, but I, we... Some things we can't solve for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're going through a rough time. And hopefully, uh, you know, I think their biggest problem is their their power grid, you know. And uh, I know they, they switched companies. They had a company that was taking care of the power grid. They got rid of them. And now they're going independent to other different companies. So hopefully they'll get it together. But I think like every, every country, uh, the big issue is corruption. You can't help your people if you're taking the money and you're stealing it. And then when it all goes to shit, you just take a bag full of money and you flee the country. I mean, you see it time and time again. Yeah. No, when, when I lived down in El Paso and again, that was back in like the late 90s, 2000, you know, we would always go across the border. It was a different time then. it was much easier, much more common to go across the border and back. But you would always put money on your person someplace other than your wallet or your pockets. So so once you got past the first guy that held you up for whatever, you still had money someplace else for whatever guy that you had to take care of next because it always happened. I mean, we we were going across the, the bridge to uh, this long story, but we were taking some cork for a tequila product that we had that we were producing. And we were actually taking a couple cases of cork product over to ship out of, of their version of FedEx down there, down to Jalisco to our facility. And, and they wanted, at that time, we were driving in the Suzu Trooper, which was a bit of an, a rare vehicle back there in the day. And they pulled us over, searched our vehicle, and impounded our vehicle because they wanted they, they wanted that truck for no reason, but they just wanted that truck. And if it wasn't for the fact that the owner of my company was, you know, very, very close friends with the mayor of El Paso, a phone call was made. And an hour later, we had our truck back and we were going on about our business. But but it's it's like that in those countries in every way, shape or form. It's just it's not like it is here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we really can't complain. They say that uh, poor Americans 
are really not poor. If you go to another country, you would really see what poor looks like. And I totally agree with that. But have you noticed that there's a lot of uh, more blacks and Hispanics that are turning Republican now? I mean, to me, that's amazing. I think people are starting to really figure out that uh, the Democrats are not really giving anything uh, they're not putting anything on the table that it's going to better your life. And I think uh, uh, blacks and Hispanics are really finally uh, getting that. And I think they're making that switch. hundred percent. And and they, they're getting I saw an interview this week that I thought about you immediately. Like, oh, I got to share that with Lou. Um, they're, they're getting offended that they're that they're it's being assumed that they're going to vote for silliness just be on party party lines with no content or or as you said no, no way to help my life be more fulfilled uh they were interviewing some folks i feel like they were on the border somewhere texas maybe el paso i'm not quite 100 sure but but they i i it made me think of you when you were saying i voted democrat a long time but but i haven't voted democrat in a while and these folks said they voted democrat for every until this year they voted democrat and they're going to vote republican this year and and the, it was a CNN reporter. I forget which one, but but he said, uh, well, why is that? And, you know, and, and the, the wife said, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but she said something to the effect of, well, well, we put God, country, family and work first. And those are the most important things in our lives. And and we, we work hard to make sure we're improving in all those areas. And, and the Democratic Party's not not doing anything to improve in those areas. And those are our priorities. And like I said, I'm paraphrasing there. I might have got that a little bit long. I don't know if you saw that clip, but that's pretty impactful. I mean, I'm like, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I did see that clip and you're exactly right. And um, she did say that, you know, um, they're finding out more and more. I mean, really, just as an American citizen, you have to look at your own life and and you have to see, well, how is this impacting you, right? How is it changing the things that you can do, whether it's gas, food, high prices, what have you? Even the stock market's been really, really shaky. It's been down, it's been up. And now uh, gas prices, I, I saw the other day, uh, I was over at Walmart. I was going into Walmart and I saw it at 305. As soon as I came out, it went up to 317. I said, oh shit, gas prices are gonna go up again. I didn't hear anything, but now I'm hearing that they're cutting back on supplies of oil. Uh, coming in through Russia and uh, I guess uh, uh, the other countries that uh, are producing oil and giving it to us. And mostly they're blaming it on Russia, right? Because Russia, that's their main capital as far as financing the war. So they figure they need to make as much money as possible uh, when it comes to crude oil. But that is what is that's what's happening right now. And if if that is what you're feeling, you're going to have a change of heart and you're going to go from Democrat to Republican because you need a change. Totally. I, I want to talk about, you know, it's a good segue here. I, you know, I was listening to some of the polling data, you know, and we call it 60, 90 days ago. It was a red wave, you know, maybe maybe six months ago. You know, my timing's never right. But, you know, it's going to be a red wave. And over the last 30, 60 days, oh, the gaps are closer. The gaps are closer. And, and I always go, I don't, are you, have you ever heard of the polling group called the Trafalgar Group? Do you, do you, you ever heard of those guys? No, I have not. Yeah, it's called Trafalgar Group. You can Google it. They're, they're pretty good. And I feel like in the last, you know, 10 years of elections, their stuff's been pretty solid. And, and I was looking them up. I'm like, okay, so red wave, no red wave. You know, let's see what Trafalgar Group says. And, and I looked at a couple of close ones, you know, like the Arizona Senate. And this is a week old data. Um, you know, Mark Kelly, 46 and a half percent and uh, 
uh, looks like I'm not going to get the name wrong here because I can't read my own handwriting. But uh, the Republican candidate, I want to say Masters, maybe 45 percent. You know, I'll, I'll say that's close. You know, I looked at, at uh, Fetterman and Oz out there in Pennsylvania. They're pretty tight at like 47, 46. And and you know, Herschel Walker, Warnock and George is pretty tight, 47, 46 and a bit. So, you know, look at Trafalgar Group. They're all pretty tight. But but in digging through that, I got to thinking and I, I guess I'm asking a, a question here. Um, you know, how, how good is the polling data anymore? I mean, I've never been polled in my life. If someone came up to me at the airport and was conducting a poll or wherever I'm at, I, I don't know I'd share. I mean, I don't know I'd say I'm a Republican, I'm conservative values. I mean, I, I, I would say something, but I don't know, man. I don't know if Joe Public anymore is real interested in sharing with all the craziness that goes on in the world of who they're going to vote for. I'm almost feeling like back in the day with like my parents era, like you never shared who you voted for. You know, that was always like top secret information in my parents' generation. Maybe, maybe they had it figured out back then. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And I hear what you're saying. You know, a lot of people don't like to say what's on their mind, especially if you're a Republican, because you're afraid of being canceled. I mean, that's what's happening these days. If you're in a workplace, you don't really want to speak your mind if you're a Republican because you don't even know if your boss is a Democrat and maybe that can cause some issues for you. For me personally, a lot of people on social media always say, hey, man, I like the, the things that you say and I wish I can say the same things. And I think that's just the fear of being canceled, right? Because if somebody sees them on social media, you know, they report them or what have you. I mean, it's gone bonkers. I don't really consider myself working anyways. But personally, for me, I don't really give a shit what people think. You know, I pick up these odd end jobs here while we're on the road. And that's not a career job for me. So maybe I don't really think of it that way. And I'm not really afraid that I'm going to lose a job that I really, really need. Yeah, for sure. And man, you know, we're all about being politically correct on this this program. So I, I got to tell you, man, you just said that wrong. You short cheated yourself, man. You you said you don't work. No, you here's how you know. If someone asks me if, if my wife works, I say she does not work outside of the home. See, so so now if someone you know says, hey, do you work? You say, I don't work outside of the home. You do a lot of work in your home on behalf of you and Gina. You, you just don't go to a place of work outside of the home every day. So well, Gina provides that for you all. <laughs> Yeah, true that. So let me reframe that. I don't bring in an income. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I really wanted to just like make a million dollars like tomorrow. And as I got older, I realized that uh, money just isn't everything. I'd rather have more time than money. I posted something like this out on Facebook and somebody came back and said, well, you know, money does help. Yeah, money does help to a certain extent. But if you got cancer or if you're dying, you know, money's not going to save you. I mean, look at uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. No, you're dead right. I mean, we, we talk about it about every episode. I mean, you have great balance. You help me have better balance. Uh, you know, the, the people around me work tirelessly to help me have better balance. I, I'm not good at cheat. I am addicted to work. I like work. I enjoy work. I, I've been lucky enough. You know, my dad said, if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that's how my entire career has been. So so for me, it's fun. But, but I, I do get to a place where I'm overdoing it and and I'm stressing too hard and all. And you're right. It's not worth it. There's no amount. And as I get older, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. So I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. But you yeah. work, man. I don't want you short cheating <laughs> yourself. You work hard. I know you do. It's a mind fuck. If you start thinking about it, it's just way too much into your thoughts. You know, think about it. Everything that we say and everything that we do in 100 years, it's not going to mean anything, right? We're just trying to make it from A to Z. 
That's our only goal in life. That's a fact. And that is why we call the show Cocktails and Bullshit, because we got both going on <laughs> big time, my friend. <laughs> Cocktails and Bullshit. All right. So, uh, Scott, it's about uh, halfway through the podcast. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And then uh, when we get back, we can talk about a cocktail. We're actually not going to have one today because it's like 1130 a.m. my time, 1230 p.m. your time. I'm just a bit early to start drinking. But uh, we can definitely talk about one. So, guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, I can't believe we're doing the uh, podcast this damn early. Let's get into the uh, half hour cocktail mix. What do you got for us, bud? Yeah. You know, Sweet Lou, I went digging into the archives and and I don't know how it escaped me. I I think we got into my favorite cocktails and then I started jumping into some beer and and you started jumping into the lot of the the pre-mixed cocktails off the shelf and we kind of got on that roll. But but I looked back through previous podcasts and we never got to talk about a Moscow mule which, you know, a lot of folks like their mules right now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make a Moscow mule. And, and you know, the traditional ones made with vodka. Now you can get whiskey mules. You can get mules in pretty much every kind of variety you want. But but the traditional Moscow mule is is an ounce of vodka over ice with with a lot of lime, pretty much the lime of, of an entire lime, depending on how much you like lime. But, but, you know, heavy, heavy lime. And then you top it off with ginger beer. That is your your traditional Moscow mule um, and, and, you know, a very popular drink, a very refreshing drink. It's, it's served in that copper cup. And we'll talk about some of that in a second. But but usually when you see those copper cups hanging and, and people drinking out of one of those little copper mugs, they're having a Moscow mule. Um, I mentioned Fever Tree as being one of my favorite tonics. Um, tonic water, all the different tonic waters they have. They do make a ginger beer that's pretty good. But in my opinion, the best ginger beer is the original ginger beer that was actually the, the founder of Cock and Bull Ginger Beer. That's the brand of ginger beer, Cock and Bull. The founder of that company is allegedly the individual that 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 started the Moscow Mule. And I'm going to just assume it was marketing. He created a little uh, marketing to go with the product that he made, his ginger beer. And I don't know what it is. I, I've seen and tasted a lot of different ginger beers, but that Cock and Bull was really good. And, and, you know, doing a little research on it, the, the Moscow is, is the vodka part, you know, uh, uh, the traditional Moscow mule is made with vodka, like I said, and, and that, you know, that Russian drink, the old Stolish Naya days. And uh, so that's the Moscow. And I guess, it, you know, the ginger beer gives it a kick and that's where the mule came from. So that, that is allegedly the, the, you know, origin story on the Moscow mule. And, uh, and, and I did a little further research in that and, uh, the, the copper cup. Now, I have no science to back this up because, like we say, it's cocktails and bullshit. So this is heavily based on the bullshit side. But but a little research says that that copper is scientifically better to conduct cold. So that's why the originator from the Cock and Bull uh, Ginger Beer Company made his first Moscow Mule in a copper mug because it conducts cold better and makes for a colder drink, keeps it cold longer. Being the marketing guy that I am, I'm just going to say that is all bullshit and it's 100% marketing because <laughs> when, when you see one of those copper mugs at the bar, you're like, oh, I think I'm a Moscow mule. You know, so, there's no doubt as soon as you see them hanging, you're thinking, oh, they make Moscow mules here. So that's just good marketing. That's a good trigger device. And uh, I think that's where that all came from. So if you're looking for something uh, interesting to make, give a Moscow mule a try. Uh, like I said, a little vodka, 
bunch of lime, top it off with ginger beer. Try all the different ginger beers. You might have a different taste. You might might like them all a little bit different, but I think that cock and bull is pretty good. Hell yeah. I love myself a good Moscow mule. You know, when you're at a bar, you know someone is getting that when you see that uh, copper cup. You know it's a Moscow mule. Some are better than others, depending on the uh, bartender. But I don't really have much to uh, talk about this week that's interesting as far as a cocktail. I have to say a couple weeks ago I had said that uh, I wasn't a, a beer snob and that any beer would do for me. And I'm going to have to retract that because uh, I kind of finished up that Ice House beer that I had. And uh, it was a struggle, man. The uh, first two I had was really good. You know, it didn't really taste uh, that much of a difference for me, at least. But uh, after that, man, that that shit tastes like cack. And, um, you know, I don't think I'll ever get that again. But I was over at the supermarket and I did see uh, Takati beer, which I really don't remember having one. Maybe I have in the uh, Mexican restaurant because not a lot of people sell those. But they had like a 12-pack for uh, $12.99. And I've got the Takati Light, and I just added a lime to that, and that shit was delicious. I really enjoyed that. So uh, that's just another one to add to the list. Yeah, that that Ice House, man, it just, you know, there's something about it. You know, it just starts you know, one of them's great. Like, ah, a second when you get through, by the third one, you're like, you know, and that Tecate is so good. I, for me, it's like Modelo. If I see Modelo or Pacifico on tap somewhere, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to, if you're, if it's a hot day and you just want that refreshing, good beer, those are my two go-tos. And, and if I'm in a store, like, you know, not to embarrass myself, but you know, it's cocktails and bullshit, right? When I'm in a hotel, if I'm going to be there for the week, I'll just hit the store and pick up some beer and throw it in the fridge in the hotel. You know, it's, that way it keeps it off the company expense report a little bit. And those Tecates are go-to because you, you can pick up a 12-pack of those, you know, pretty fair price. And like you said, grab a couple limes and, man, poolside knocking back a Tecate with some lime. Delicious. Beer. Totally underrated, man. Totally underrated. <laughs> That's a good one for today. Yeah, and you know, like you said, they're not that expensive. I think I paid twelve ninety nine for twelve pack or something like that. So they're pretty cheap, and they taste delicious. But yeah, that Ice House man did me in after a while. And uh, when it tastes like shit, it tastes like shit, and uh, there is no changing that, man. So, but yeah, that's it, man. That's our cocktail half hour. What else you got to talk about, man? I've got a, a list of stuff, but I'm going to let you get started. Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about the uh, HBO show House of the Dragon, and uh, and I, I don't think you watch. You're not a Game of Thrones guy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Did you do Game of Thrones? No, I never got into that, man. Yeah, well, I love me some Game of Thrones, and uh, House of Dragon is the 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 new show on HBO. It's it's set 200 years before the Game of Thrones timeline, so it's the prequel. And I'm not going to get into the show or, or, or talk. I, mean, I think it's great and I'm enjoying it. And, and I, I'd like to think that probably folks that were into Game of Thrones are probably enjoying it. But, but what I want to talk about today is they've got a thing going on that I've never seen done in a, in a TV show like this, where it's a, you know, it's a storytelling show that, that goes on episode after episode after episode. And they're doing something that's been kind of labeled on the podcasts that, that deal with it. I listen to a couple different podcasts that, that, you know, will break down the show and talk about what everything means in it. And they're referring to it as time jumping. They are seriously time jumping in this show to the point of that, that in episode four, they, they switched actors and actresses 
to like so so we spent three episodes learning all the characters and and you know there there's four because it's you know it's medieval time so there's 14 year old princesses that are being married off and and 18 year olds and 25 year olds and 30 year old kings you know like that's the time bracket that's episodes one through three and in episode four you know now the king's like 60 and and he barely has any hair and it's it's a completely different actor and and it's all these uh, new actors and they're they've aged now they've had babies you know the princess that was 14 is now 26 and she's got two older kids and had had a baby on the way like and and literally now we're in episode i think seven was this week and and the king's almost dead now i mean he like and i i'm not spoiling anything my tongue's in my cheek i'm just i'm just saying they've aged literally aged everyone about 50 years to 60 years in seven episodes and and it's like it's just been controversy on all the podcasts. Like, like I think it's pretty great because I it takes a little bit. Like, it challenges you a little bit to really follow and catch all the detail, so that when they when they drop something that that indicates to you that that is that person. You know, they say that person's name, and then they they you know and they relate and make it very relatable, so you can kind of track. Oh, that's the new Queen Rhaenyra. You know, because it's not the old actor that it was. It's somebody new. You got to kind of keep up and follow along with that. So I think it's pretty great because you're getting a lot of history. But the the purists out there are just hating it because you're they're getting indoctrinated into this set of characters, and then literally new episode, new set of characters, and and it ta- you don't feel the same about it. Like it takes a little bit of work to to rekindle all of those feelings about that character that you just spent three episodes kind of getting to know. You know. So I just thought that was crazy. And I just was was curious, you know, any of our listeners out there, man, write in and tell us what you think about it. If you're watching the house of the dragon, because it is, it's, I don't know. I've ever seen that done in any TV show before where they're literally advancing 60 years, you know, t- 10 years, an episode, if you will, kind of thing. Yeah. I really never uh, got into those shows, but once uh, somebody starts talking about it, like the way you're talking about it, it makes me want to go back and start uh, from the beginning and check it out. Yeah, we we've gotten into uh, my wife did not watch Game of Thrones and I kind of caveman style drug her into House of the Dragon and she's begrudgingly watching it. But she's she just doesn't like all the gore that comes with those shows, you know, broadswords, chopping <laughs> arms off of people, just not really her thing. So so she's playing along. The other one we're watching is the the Lord of the Rings one uh, that's on Amazon Prime. And it's it's a prequel to the Lord of the Rings. And uh Man, it's it's really good too. I don't want to spoil for anybody, but but similarly but different. They're not time jumping, but but you got to remember, like elves live forever, right? So so you have all of these characters that you're like, oh, that's that guy in Lord of the Rings, but you know now it's like a hundred years earlier, and and he's this young guy because you know the elves live forever. So it, similarly but different, it takes a little bit of adjustment to track on that one as well. But the writing's good, and it, it's moving at a good pace. So. You know me, man, I'm a TV junkie and there's a couple of really good podcasts out there that go with these shows. And and if you've never watched a TV show and then listened to a weekly podcast where they break it all down, I'm I'm addicted to it, man. With much airplane time and and sitting in hotel room time as I have, I, I love a good podcast that breaks down one of my shows. I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, I definitely should go back and uh, check it out. I don't know what it is with me, but like uh, those movies there and the superhero movies that they were coming out with now, they've got so many special effects that it's just so hard to keep up with. I don't. I miss seeing just simple movies with a simple uh, storyline. 
more and more you just don't see that these days. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is great. Um, I like you know. To, I always say to people, you you want to kill a Saturday, man. Watch all three Lord of the Rings because they're freaking amazing. And and it's one of those you got to pay attention to every single thing. They're amazing. Um, but the Hobbit, which are the next three that came after that, are a giant waste of time. I mean, The Hobbit's a great book. Uh, they took that, and and I'm not a reader, and I say it's a great book. They took that. And they broke that into to three movies like they did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it, it needed to be one movie. I mean, it's the most boring three movies you ever watch in your life, I think. Um, and Game of Thrones, man. I mean, if, if you like broadswords and and conniving and, and then it's movie quality TV. I mean, it is big production TV and it's it's so good. My son and I were addicted to Game of Thrones, man. And, and I watched every episode twice because you you would pick up stuff every time you watched it. So I, I like that kind of TV. I'm a That's how I relax. So I'm a bit of a junkie for that stuff. Yeah, good. Good to hear, man. Yeah, I got to check it out. Uh, were you ever into um, were you ever into uh, Harry Potter? Yeah, you know, that's a funny one. That's a running joke in our house because my wife and kids love Harry Potter. They've read every book. They've watched every movie. If you're channel, so if one of them is channel surfing in my house and it comes on, like you got to stop and watch it to the end. Like, like, I mean, I'm like that with pitch perfect, but I'm not like that with, with Harry Potter. Right. You know, they, they, Lou, you're supposed to laugh at that. Me and pitch perfect. Right. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they love them. Some Lord of the Rings and uh, uh, Harry Potter for some reason. And I like Harry Potter. Like I, it's entertaining. I fall asleep every time it's on. It's a running joke in this house. I'll say, no, 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 let's let's put that Harry Potter on. And I'm asleep in 10 minutes. I don't know what it is. Harry Potter is like a drug for me. As soon as it's on the TV, I'm out like a light, man. So, And I like it. It's a good movie. I, I, I can't quite figure out why I fall asleep every time I put one on. And it's to a point now where I just start quoting Harry Potter and get it completely wrong just to frustrate him. I'm like, oh, that's Voldemort. And, you know, he's got a, a he's a three whole crux, whatever, whatever. They're like, no, dad, you're not even close. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I always think about? I think about the actors that, that score big on one movie like uh, Harry Potter. Uh, the main actors, I don't think they made too much money on the first one, but uh being part of the franchise, I know they walked away uh, being millionaires. It's like... um one direction, right? I think there's like five uh, members to that group, and each one of them walked away millionaires. I have this uh, hobby where I think of somebody and I just like to know what their net worth is. Each one of those members, their net worth is $700 million each. I mean, it's insane. They don't have to do anything for the rest of their lives, and uh, they're still in their 20s. I think the uh, most popular one out of all of them is Harry Styles, and I think his net worth is seven twenty-five, which I thought would be a lot higher because he's uh, he's the one that's been more successful uh, out of the group. Yeah, crazy man, and and Harry Styles. I mean, he's done a couple of movie cameos, and uh, you know, a li- little bit of a spoiler here, but in uh, it's, I guess the Eternals in the the trailer video in Marvel's Eternals, uh, they tease Harry Styles as Thanos's brother. Thanos. I mean, I know you're not a Marvel guy. Thanos. Thanos is the man that destroyed, killed, killed half the population, and then uh, and Harry Styles is gonna be his brother. So uh, yeah, man, those guys clearly are on a good path, man. It's crazy. Yeah, you think about it. He's only like 25. I think 25. I'm pretty sure it was 25 million ahead of those other guys. So you know, maybe those guys just aren't doing anything. They're holding on to the money. Harry Styles is out there, so he's got to spend some money. So I don't know. I, I would think he would be far ahead of the pack in uh, everything that he's done, but that's Roger where he's that. at. Yeah. So another uh, subject that I've got here is um, 
I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, there was some police officers that were trying to arrest this young lady. Uh, she was 20 years old and uh, they apprehended her and they had parked their police car on a railroad track and they put the young lady inside the police car. And all of a sudden there was a, a freight train that was coming and they couldn't get her out of there. And they all scattered and the train hit the uh, police car with the young lady inside. Did you see that? Holy shit, Lou. I did not even see this in all my travels this week. That's crazy. Yeah, that was in uh, northern Colorado. And I'm just thinking to myself, first of all, it's going to be a big lawsuit. And it should be an open and, and shut case because everything is on video. And what makes you think that you can leave a police car or why would you leave a police car on the railroad tracks it doesn't make any sense it's the craziest thing ever i mean i you know how many times you go through the tracks and you're backed up in traffic and you see someone stop on the tracks you never do that like you if you're waiting in traffic to clear you wait on this side of the tracks so you can get your whole vehicle to the other side of the tracks i can't believe cops stopped on the damn tracks that is crazy that was a really bad train wreck, uh, and she had uh, ribs broken, uh, things punctured. I mean, she was in really bad shape, and uh, I'm sure, you know, head injuries and what have you, but it just looked like she would not even walk away from that. And, you know, that's the thing that we, we put our trust in, in a lot of people, right? It doesn't really matter if you're a police officer or, or, you know, someone else. It could be a pilot, right? It could be uh, anybody in that type of profession uh, that you rely on, a doctor. And we're all human beings, right? So we're all going to make mistakes. But, man, when you see something like this, it's just mind-boggling. That's insane, man. And, you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but, you know, I've been getting on a plane every week for about 25 years, man. <laughs> And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a very religious man, but I am a faithful man. And I, I, you know, I check in with that faith every week before that plane takes off and right before she's about to land. You know, I mean, like you're putting some trust in some other folks, you know, and, and yeah, I'm just, you know, like the old adage, you know, when it's your time, your time. Well, yeah, but what if it's their time, you know? <laughs> yeah. You think of the uh, movie Flight, right, with Denzel Washington. He was an alcoholic, right? And it makes you think, well, did they survive that flight because he was under the influence, right? And he was at ease or, you know, could have been worse uh, if he was sober. But that movie, that whole scene where the, the flight was going down and he had to recover and turn the plane upside down and everything, it was really intense. Yeah, let's not talk about plane flights anymore, Lou. We must have <laughs> another topic to talk about. <laughs> All right. Hit me up. Yeah. What you got? So, you know, I, so I, we talk, you know, I'm on the road every week and I'm in the food service business. So a lot of my dinners are sitting at a bar, you know, I'll go into a restaurant I'll go sit at the bar cause I'm by myself and I can watch the sports that's on a TV or whatever and, and have my dinner. And, uh, and because of that, I've kind of gotten into the keynote, you know, and I, I never knew it. I never understood it. And I certainly am no expert as I sit here, but but I was talking to some folks, you know, you, the keynote, it's, you know, it's up on the TV and they draw the numbers and, and you bet there's a little machine in the bar and you bet uh, and you, you pick the numbers and, you know, about about every, I don't know, every 12 minutes or so, they run a new one. And so you can sit there and you can bet at leisure and your numbers come up, you make a little money, you give your ticket to the bartender, they cash out kind of thing for folks that have never seen keynote in a bar. We have it here in Ohio. And uh, 
that's what I say to these folks are next sitting next to me. It's an older couple, and and man, they got tickets all over. You know, they got like eight tickets in front of him and six tickets in front of her, and they're watching every screen and they're they got to pan out. They're checking everything off, and and I, I finally say, I'm like, oh, you know, so how do you how do you win at this game? Like, I don't know anything about it. And the guy, like dead serious, says, you bet two numbers and and you you bet the booster. I'm like the booster. He's like, yeah, you'll see a button there for the booster. So you bet your two numbers. It costs you know, you put down as much as you want, and it's another dollar more for the booster. So I bet my two numbers, and I put in a dollar. You know, like I told you in the horse racing, man, I'm a two dollar better, right? Bet what you can afford to lose. So that for me, that's two dollars, right? And and I got my numbers, right? So I, I'm watching the damn thing, and, and my numbers are eighteen and twenty two, and and I'm not betting yet, and I'm watching, and it's like seventeen twenty three, you know, nineteen twenty. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna bet it close every time. So this guy tells me, I go over, I bet $2, I bet, you know, 18 and 22, and I shit you not, it comes up the next, the very next one. I, I held the ticket over to the guy, and I'm like, so like this? He's like, yeah, you just won. You made $11. I'm like, I made $11 on a $2 bet, and I got one ticket in front of me, right? And I swear to God, I got 10 tickets between the two of them, right? And, and he's not, you know, he was very polite, but he really wasn't interested in helping me anymore after that, you know? So, so I became a little addicted. To it, you know. I mean, it is kind of a fun way to pass the time when you're sitting in that bar, and and I don't bet it nonstop, and my bet's always a two dollar bet, and you know, I always do what I just said I did, and and I'll watch it and watch it and watch it, and then all of a sudden I'll get a vibe and I'll bet on it, and you know, sometimes you waste two dollars, sometimes you you win a little bit, you know, kind of fun. That's always the uh, case. Beginner's luck. I see it all the time at the blackjack table. You know, somebody will walk up and just do some crazy stuff and boom, they win. Or they just get blackjack right off the bat. Uh, Gina loves that game, Kino. We don't see it down south here. Uh, it's, 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 it's a northern thing. When we were up in Buffalo, we saw it in just about every bar that we went into and she loved it. Uh, I didn't play that much. Um, to me, it's almost like bingo kind of type of a thing. So, those games like that, I just try to leave alone. But Gina, Gina loves that game. And, yeah, it's, it's a shame you don't see it down south. Yeah, it's funny. You know, my, my dad, I, I've told the story, 90 years old, he loves to go to the casinos. You know, he's down in Cincinnati, and there's a couple different casinos he can go to down there. And, and when my mom was alive, man, it was a regular thing. They'd go to the casinos. And, and they, love, they, they love to play their slot machines. That's like the thing, right? So one day I'm with my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, you ever play Keno? No, I don't know how to play that. You know, like, because he's a typical 90-year-old man. Like, you know, like that. I love to gamble, but I don't know what that is, and I'm not going to take the time to learn it. And I, I'm, I'm outing myself because clearly I just went through the same thing, and I at least asked the guy next to me, right? So so I'm like, oh, Dad, it's easy. You know, now I'm an expert, right? I'm like, we just bet $2, and we just do a booster, and blah, 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 blah. We bet some that. Well, then from then, it was on, like, Donkey Kong. He's like, hey, go place this bet for me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And, and my mom's birthday was January 13th, and his birthday is January 31st. So, 1331, that's what he bet. So, now, when I'm sitting in a restaurant by myself, I'm always, even if I'm not playing, if I see 1331 come up or if I see 1822 come up, it's like, oh, damn, my dad was here, we'd be betting, you know. So, yeah. Funny how they get you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anytime you go to a casino, you always have to uh, bet that you're going to lose. And I'm getting beginning to think more and more that the, the best shot you got is just to play one of those uh, slot machines and always bet high. Uh, so if you do hit, you're going to get a lot of money. And that's probably the only way you're going to ever kind of walk away with a lot of money. Because if you sit at the tables, I mean, it's a 50 50. So if you're putting in, you know, five dollars or what have you and you win, you're going to win five dollars. So it'll take you a long time to accumulate any kind of money. So I think uh, just going in and just playing the slot machine is your best bet. 
So let's talk a little bit about football. Uh, the Eagles are four and zero, and uh, look what happened to Tua, man. That was pretty scary. Yeah, that was scary, man. And you know, I'm a Bengals fan, and and it, you know they had the the white uniforms and the white tiger helmets that I know you personally loved. <laughs> I could tell by the text when you were like, "Those are fugly." <laughs> I, I loved to be some white helmets. I thought it was great. And, and of course, the Bengals got off to a shit start this year. And, you know, winning winning against Miami was a big win. And then, boom, you know, Tua goes down. And I, I was proud of the fans cheering Tua in the stands. I mean, you, nobody wants that. I mean, we're here to watch a great football game, but nobody wants anybody injured. And uh, how, how's he doing? I haven't heard anything this week. It was a concussion, right? Yeah, they tried to blame him on something else, but it was uh, definitely a concussion. He got it from the uh, game that he was playing against the Bills, and, um, you know, he shouldn't have been playing. You know, I, I just don't understand sometimes. I, I know that uh, there's some smart people out there and people are getting paid and what have you. But you think of uh, something like that, he should have not been playing in that game. They should have taken him out altogether because uh, they had, I think um, – you know, a, a game after that, because I think they played Thursday night and they played Sunday and then they weren't going to play until uh, they, he probably had it like maybe almost close to a week and a half of rest if they didn't put him in that game. So there was really no reason to put him in that game. And most of the games that are coming up is pretty light. Uh, they're favored to win over like 57 percent, 60 percent all uh, against these next eight teams that they're going to play. So they just made a bad decision, and they should have just left him out. And uh, now the question is, is he going to be okay in coming back? Uh, should he come back? You know, he's trying to um, grab that bag, man. He's trying to uh, make that money for him and his family, and um, he's putting himself in jeopardy at this point because uh, especially when you get hit back of the head, I've seen it many a times in UFC and boxing. Uh, when somebody gets hit back there, it really screws them up and the, their mobility. And that's kind of a scary thing. And I think that's something that he has to think about. <clears throat> but um, that was scary to watch, man. I've never seen something like that, the way his hands contorted like that. And um, it was it was a good thing that, um, you know, what, what you just talked about, that the fans don't uh, go the other way. And they were cheer cheering him on because it, it could happen to anyone. Yeah, no, for sure, man. It's uh... – it's scary when that kind of stuff happens. And, and you know, it, it is just crazy. I mean, it's not worth your life. I mean, uh, you know, I, whether it was doctors or, or team folks or Tua himself, I mean, you know, those world-class athletes got no quit in them and they don't want to be yanked out, you know. And, man, it's just not worth it. It takes so long to recover from that kind of stuff. I, I follow in my Instagram, I've got uh, Jim McMahon, Jim McMahon, right? Yeah. The, uh, from from the Chicago Bears back in the day, we lived in Chicago and, and you know, right out of college and then 89, of course, 85 Bears, you know, and he I mean, he's just kind of legendary for for being a character. And, you know, he's not right. And and he talked he's very open about not being right. And he gets a lot of therapy and, and a lot of weed and a lot of a lot of medical support to fix things that just, you know, back in the day, they beat and bang themselves to just ugly places and. Man, we, we know better today. I mean, back back in that day, maybe they didn't know it as much. But today we know better. You got to stop. Yeah, and it's hard to um, decide what to do because you're looking, you know, he's he's young. But what happens when he's 40 and 50? What's going to happen after that? So I don't know, man. He's got some tough decisions to make. Um, and, um, you know, he's he's been playing since, I think, six years old football. So sure. that's all he really knows. And this is his time. You know, the funny thing about the NFL and any other sports, right? You have this small window of opportunity 
to make something of yourself. And if he's pulled out, you know, for a game or whatever, and somebody steps in and starts doing better than he, than he's been doing, then uh, all of a sudden, man, you're forgotten. Yeah. No. And you know, it used to be the old adage, you never lose your position due to injury, but that really doesn't hold anymore. I mean, somebody comes in and the rhythm and the karma and the flow all's working, man, they stay in. And uh, so it's, it's tough. Yeah. You a uh, perfect example is uh, Tony Romo, right? He, uh, got injured and here came uh Dak right to take over his position he won like nine games straight and uh, uh Tony was out uh now it's happening to him right because you've got uh Cooper in there as a quarterback and uh Dak has been injured and he's if he keeps going the way he's going Dak's going to be out of a job and the same thing yeah. with uh, Tom Brady right remember Tom Brady with uh, Bled- uh Bledsoe yeah. Bledsoe uh, got injured Tom Brady came in and you know never left the game yeah, no, right. So I, you get why they're sensitive to it, but it's not worth your life. Man, I'm stoked. You know we're going camping this weekend as our final camping of the season where we close down and, and winterize the camper and put it back in storage. And, and normally we get a few more weekends in, but we're just we're booked all the rest of August with different trips and stuff we got to do. So we're, we're knocking it down. And uh, we got we got Saturday night as a little Notre Dame BYU, and and it's what they call the Shamrock Series, man. And and most Notre Dame fans, certainly this Notre Dame fan, thinks that the Shamrock Series is the stupid gimmick that they ever came up with. It's it's a total money grab. Uh, they started it, I want to say, like a half a dozen years or so ago, where one game would be the Shamrock Series game, and they would do, you know, they would get you know special uniforms for it. They would play somewhere, you know, so like. Like they played Boston College last year, the year before in the Shamrock Series, and it's the one they played at Fenway Park. So they turned Fenway Park into a football stadium, and they played Boston U at at you know Fenway Park, and they had special uniforms. It's so hokey and so not Notre Dame tradition, and it's a total marketing money grab. And I understand all of that, but the, the I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan from from yesteryear, so I don't like all the bullshit that goes with it. So. Uh, so this this game is somewhere in Vegas. I don't know why. I guess because Utah is close to Vegas, so they agreed to do a game in Vegas. And I I've seen a little bit of the uniforms. I'm not impressed with them so far. But nonetheless, we'll get a Notre Dame game Saturday night at the campground, which will be fantastic. And then, uh, you know, FC Cincinnati, who just got promoted this season to the MLS or last season, they 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 got raised up a league to the MLS. You know, to the to the, the, the you know, premier league, if you will, of the United States. And, uh, and they're actually really close to making it into the playoffs. And it'll be the first time in franchise history that they made it in the playoffs. And, and their last game of the season is at two 30 on Sunday. So Trev and I are going to watch that. And then, uh, my, my dad just told me yesterday, the Bengals are Sunday night football this weekend. So I'm going to get me some Bengals Sunday night, man. So it's going to be a great weekend of, of football and soccer. Well, there you go. There's nothing better than going camping, having some good food, drinking some beer, watching the game. Doesn't get any better, man. It's going to be spectacular, man. My Since my wife's not going camping with us and she's going out to take care of Megan, Trevor's camping with me, and so I'm putting on a big pot of chili. Michelle's not a big chili fan, so uh, I said to Trevor, hey, how about we cook a big pot of chili Saturday for the football game? So that'll be cooking in the crock pot all day. We'll be smelling it, working on the camper, cleaning it up for winter, and then uh, boom, Hit that, hit some beers, hit that chili. Oh, it's going to be fantastic, brother. Oh, man, I know that feeling. 
Um, you know, I just, uh, as always, I always just get tickled to death, man, that you're able to do that in the middle of nowhere. Um, I think we talked last, and this is one of the issues that we had uh, last week that we weren't able to get a podcast out, is that I was kind of in the middle of nowhere. I went to camping and there was uh, no cell, cell, cell service out there. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of took it in, man. It's, it's one of those moments that you just got to get away from uh, being on your phone, social media and everything else, man, and just uh, breathe in some fresh air. So I really enjoyed that. But yeah, man, dude, you have a great weekend uh, and enjoy yourself and enjoy the camping. Yeah, man, we're going to kill it. And, you know, I'll be blowing up your your phone with pictures of cocktails and, and pictures of whatever craziness is going on in the campground. So I'll keep connected to you. Awesome. All right, guys, well, we're going to end this podcast here. Thank you so much again for always joining in and supporting us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we'll have uh, another podcast next week. So we'll catch you then. Scott, take care, buddy. Uh, enjoy your weekend. And um, don't work so hard, bud. Hey, man, from your lips to God's ears, buddy. I appreciate you. You have a great weekend, too, and we'll be back next week. All right. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers.